Super Talk Mississippi media production. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Happy Thursday to you, Golden Eagle fans, listening across the state of Mississippi on the Super Talk Mississippi Network. It's the Eagle Hour. Glad to have you along with us today. Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studio in downtown Laurel. Bob out today, Kelly Santer. In the hot seat down in Hattiesburg in the First Bank Studio, Michael Mergen's producing for us today. Happy to have you along. A little uh, rainy, overcast Thursday, but hopefully uh, it's great where uh, you are, or it uh, looks like it may rain in the next two days. Uh, and it's, it's great basketball weather. Going to talk basketball today. Heath Hinton from Big Gold Nation uh, will talk to us uh, later in the program. Going to be joined by Andy Everett from UTSA here in just a moment. But the first segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by Dickie's Barbecue, located in a community near you, the Hattiesburg Home Team, located right beside Turtle Creek Mall in West Hattiesburg. Dickie's has all all the best barbecue you could ever want, ribs, brisket, sausage, everything, and you can go see them in-store. Also, they will cater your next event. Diggy's Barbecue, cooked here, loved everywhere. Well, the Golden Eagles on the road today as they travel out to San Antonio, Texas for a two-game showdown with the UTSA Roadrunners uh, tomorrow at 6 p.m. and then Saturday at 3 p.m. Happy to have joining us now on the phone, the voice of Roadrunner basketball, Andy Everett. And uh, Andy, don't have to travel uh, this weekend hosting the Golden Eagles. And glad you're on the Eagle Hour today. How has, uh, we, we've been asking everybody um, from the different teams uh, this question when they come on, how was the two-game back-to-back, uh, good in San Antonio, bad in San, San Antonio, mixed review? Well, I think it's been easier for the teams to get ready for the second game because they don't have to break down other film. They're kind of prepared. Their their Saturday morning shoot around and their Friday film session is, is fresh on their mind. But I I don't like it. I'd I'd rather play the old the regular schedule and go back to what we did a few years ago, where we play Southern Miss and La Tech on this trip, or they play here and you play a couple of teams from the east and. I think it's also good from a, a travel standpoint for teams. We're trying to keep people off the road as much as possible, uh, do everything you can to mitigate the opportunity for someone to get sick. And so I understand why we're doing it now. But as far as from a, um, a, a stamina standpoint, I don't think it's mattered to UTSA. Uh, the teams are in pretty good shape. Uh, and the, uh, Steve Vince has done a really good job with our team in managing minutes and making sure players that are on the floor are fresh. And guys like Javon Jackson and Keaton Wallace can go 40 minutes back-to-back nights and take a long nap on Sunday and be ready to go next week. Yeah, I guess, you know, it kind of helps you prepare for for the end of the season. This is always a unique series. Golden Eagles and the Roadrunners have played 12 times 
the home team always wins. Uh, <laughs> Southern Miss seven and zero against UTSA at home, zero and five on the road. And you know your UTSA Roadrunners uh, coming in hungry, and they've really played uh, three of the best teams in the uh, West with Louisiana, North Texas, and Rice. What's the uh, the two thousand twenty or two thousand twenty one version of the Roadrunners look like? Well, a couple things. Number one, not only is the this a home team dominant series, but the games haven't really been close except for maybe one or two. I was doing some research on this. Our average margin of victory in San Antonio is 13, and the average margin of defeat in Hannesburg is 20. And I think we lost by 38 there the last time, or 33 or something like that the last time we were in Hannesburg. So none of the, the, the visiting team has not fared well in all of this. I think the biggest surprise for UTSA this year is that Javon Jackson and Keaton Wallace's scoring has been way down. And I say way down because they averaged 46 a game uh, between the two of them the last couple of years. And this year, they're around 30. And so that's been a, a kind of a, an issue. I think teams are really keen on them and making other guys beat them. And UTSA has gotten some support from other players to get their average where it's at but I don't think it's making up for that 16-point-a-game loss. And it's uh, I, I look at it what I refer to as offensive efficiency. And UTSA's been forced to take a lot of very difficult shots, and they really haven't gotten into a lot of good offensive flow in the games that they've lost. And the games they've won, they've done that really well. And I think that's the key for every game they play the rest of the way. Their defense is vastly improved from a year ago. They're doing a good job when teams throw at the post. They're doing a pretty good job rotating. But then UTSA, and I guess every team kind of has this happen to them from time to time, is that they, the scouting report has let them down. And case in point was the game at Louisiana Tech last Saturday. Louisiana Tech averages making seven threes a game. They made 14. And so you're giving guys shots that they don't normally make. And when they go in, that's kind of outperforming the scouting report. And that's kind of been one of the reasons why UTSA is one at five. Kelly, one of the things though that that you, you mentioned, Luke mentioned that you guys have been hammered as far as the schedule goes. You've gotten a lot of the tough toughest teams early on, and sometimes that can be an emotional burden too. Where you play the toughest teams early, you lose some games, and the morale starts sagging a little bit. What would you say is the mental health of this team with the schedule change and taking some of these losses early on? I I, I don't notice any difference uh, in the in the the makeup of the team after a win or after a loss. It was uh, when we played at Oklahoma in, in uh, December, and uh, I think there was some dejection there because we got beat by 40 on national TV and or regional TV. And a lot of the players, it was the first time that they had been on that big of a television stage, and they were kind of embarrassed by it. And, and all, and, but I, it kind of comes back to just the frustration, I think, is there because they've had difficulty figuring out what to do offensively. The game against Oregon State, and I don't think Oregon State's a great Pac-12 team this year. They certainly aren't as good as they were last year when we played them in Houston in a, in a um, neutral site game. But uh, they're, they're there for the taking, and they may surprise us and win a bunch of Pac-12 games. I don't know. But UTSA had the lead for most of that game but couldn't close it out. And it's when you've got to get a bucket, when you've got to get a, a, an offensive play that's always worked in the past, and it doesn't work now, I think that's the frustration factor. So I would say the attitude is more frustration than it is anything else or, uh, you know, lack of confidence or, or lack of motivation. I think they're ready to play and can't wait for the next game. I, I think this series is real intriguing to me because when you looked at the preseason projections, whether it was the media, whether it was the coaches, whoever, 
a lot, quite frankly, was not expected of the Roadrunners or the Golden Eagles. Uh, but, but the fact that the Roadrunners played some of those teams that, that did have lofty expectations and now play a team that was supposed to be more comparable to the Roadrunners, I think they're going to see a little bit more of a team that, that's comparable to them and, uh, and what they might be more made out of. Is, is that reasonable? Is that yeah, a- I think that there's another, you know, if you go back to two years ago, UTSA finished third and got a, a first-round bye and then lost to UAB in the first round of the tournament, and that was kind of unexpected. And then last year, what was expected to be a 20-plus win, 20 win team just kind of would win a game and then lose a game, then win two and lose two, and they could never really get a good run going with, with wins. And this year, I think they felt like the expectations were even higher because they had three pieces of the puzzle around uh, Javon Jackson and Keith Wallace. But I think one thing that happens sometimes, because those guys are such prolific scorers, not only does the other team get in the habit of watching them play, sometimes your own team does. And when your own team isn't moving without the ball, when your own, your own team isn't doing what they need to do and not paying attention, I mean, you know the plays, but you still want to kind of take a peek out of your eyes and see what those two guys are doing, and that's kind of taken away from it. But these next four games for UTSA are critical. If they're going to make the postseason, actually the next six because they have uh, the two with Southern Miss, uh, UTEP two next week, and then an FIU team that's kind of been up and down all year as well. And those two games will be on the road. So if, if UTSA is going to get out of the cellar, it's now or never, I think. The, the point that you make yeah. about kind of getting caught up in, in the plays, you do see that a lot. Sometimes they, they forget that they're actually in the game. And yeah. they get caught up in, in watching other players. I, I think these two teams, and, and really, Luke, the way it was described, Southern Miss could be described that same way, frustrated early on in the season, you know, not making some of the shots that just would not go in, and then, you know, got hot a couple of games. And in these two series, I know against Middle Tennessee, first game they made every single shot they put up. Uh, Saturday wasn't necessarily the case. A lot of similarities here between the Roadrunners and Eagles, I think. It is, and, and Andy, you could describe our offense uh, icy hot. That's what it's been like. You shoot lights out one night, the next night you, you can't find a basket. About 30 seconds left. Uh, what, what's the capacity of the crowd size You know, uh, out there? Uh, it, have they been letting people in? Is it a San Antonio rule? Is it a Texas rule? And what's the atmosphere been like? Yeah, we, have, we allow 612 in the building. The capacity is 3,000. They basically cut the, the arena in half. Uh, the east side is for those who have tested, and the west side is for those that don't. And uh, we're on the east side. The benches are on the east side. The players check in and out on the east side. And no fans are allowed on the east side. And then the west side is where everybody goes, and there's ropes to keep them separated. And then they're backed off the floor. Gotcha. So we, but we've been getting five or 600 a game, and uh, the, the building echoes a lot. It's a, it's a 40-year-old building that's in dire need of repair and, and actually replaced. But uh, that's down the road, and and, and uh, so it, it'll sound loud in there, whether there's 20 people or 2,000. So it, it has been a good home court advantage, and in Steve Henson era, he's done it well there too. Good deal, Andy. We always appreciate your time taking time with us to be on the Eagle Hour, and uh, man, have a great uh, weekend. Looking forward to some good games out in San Antonio. All right, guys. See you next time. Andy Everett, the voice of the UTSA Roadrunners. Stick around. Eagle Hour continues right after this. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. 
Appreciate Andy Everett from University of Texas San Antonio for joining us. Uh, Golden Eagles on the road today. Two-game series, as all our conference uh, series are this season. Tomorrow night, 6 p.m., that game on CUSA.TV, and then Saturday at 3 p.m., on ESPN Plus. Of course, you can always listen to John Cox uh, on the radio call. So uh, happy to, to have you along with us today, Luke and Laurel. Kelly and Michael Mergens in Hattiesburg. Bob out today. He'll be back tomorrow. The second segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by Campus Bookmark and basketball's in full uh Full schedule mode right now, full season mode, uh, baseball coming up. We'll talk some baseball here in just a minute. Uh, but Campus Bookmark's the place for you to get everything you need to cheer the Golden Eagles on with. And you can always go online, campusbookmark.net, and everything. I mean, anything you can possibly think of with a with Southern Miss stamped on it, you can find it at campusbookmark.net, or you can also go see them in person on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Kelly Sanders, some exciting news. We were talking yesterday uh, about uh, the Golden Eagles have not released their baseball schedule yet simply because uh, it looks like they're still waiting on Conference USA for a few things. We talked about yesterday UConn on the schedule. Uh, we are, Nichols stayed on the schedule. Mississippi stayed on the schedule. There's another big opponent coming into the Pete also. Well, you can add Louisiana Lafayette. The Raging Cajuns have announced uh, through their social media outlets that they will be coming to Pete Taylor Park March 6th. 16th through the 18th. And again, that's uh, Louisiana Lafayette announcing that. Uh, the Golden Eagles, as you just mentioned, have not unveiled their schedule yet. So from Louisiana, that will make Louisiana Lafayette, Nickel State, as you mentioned, Northwestern State, the Demons, who were a regional team a couple years ago. So they'll be making the trip. UConn, Mississippi State. So that's a, just those teams right there, Luke, regardless of uh, the other non-conference teams that might or might not be on the schedule that's uh that's pretty meaty right there um so we're getting bits and pieces and and the university has said that they appreciate everybody's uh patience as the schedule's not out yet but uh, we're getting a sneak peek albeit from other schools and we had heard, you know, in, late in the fall that something like this was probably going to happen and man, I mean, can you you know Complete opposite approach from some other baseball programs that try to get wins early on. But man, we were, uh, you know, heard we were going to have uh, three or four region teams on the schedule early in the season. And, you know, you throw that Florida State matchup in there. Wow. And Scott Berry, you know, man, just uh, going for broke early, not just for RPI, but I mean, you schedule teams that you believe you can beat. And so, uh, Louisiana, I mean, Lafayette has been a regional team. The last, I mean, for a long time. I mean, they've been good. And uh, they've hosted some regionals down there. It gets really rowdy. They know how to play baseball. And, and I think sometimes, uh, they, they have, they got overlooked historically just because of how much of, of a monster LSU is. Right. But man, the last several years, they have really, 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 uh, come on nationally. And, and so you're going to have now, uh, three regional teams come to the peat. Uh, early in the season, and they so, got they got uh, dealt. A, I'm ecstatic about that. They got dealt a blow, you know, a couple of years ago when uh, Tony Robichaux, uh, their longtime uh, coach, well, not a long, long time, but but certainly in, uh, integral 
in the development of that program. He died suddenly, a member of, of a heart attack, and that, that kind of threw that program, you know, for a loop. But, um, but COVID has thrown everybody for a loop. So, yeah, you're right about that. I mean, the Cajuns have been, have been real tough out of the Sunbelt Conference. And then, as we mentioned, uh, the Demons out of the, out of the Southland played up in the Corvallis, Oregon regional a couple, um, you know, through two or three years ago. And um, UConn, you know, coming down from the Northland and Mississippi State, you've heard of them. They've been in all the papers. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. there's not, not, a lot wanna, of, not a lot of shallow water there to wade in, that's for sure. You want to talk about, I just looked up Lafayette's schedule. You want to talk about a stretch, Kelly? Now, check this out. This is unbelievable for, for Louisiana. I mean, if we can't look at our own schedule, we can at least look at Lafayette's. They start the season with a three-game series at Turchin. At, at Tulane, then uh, they go. They they host Louisiana Tech. They host LSU. They host Rice for a three game series. They play Louisiana Tech again. They play McNeese, Houston Baptist at Mississippi State at Southern Miss, and then the next week they host TCU for a four game series. That is the most crazy schedule to start a season ever. That's unbelievable. Yeah, well, RPI. I mean, that's that's the way. Supposedly, you know, you have to. You have to, you know, get the invitation at the end of the year if you don't if you don't win your your tournament. So, um, and and what a feather in your cap if you can beat some of these teams. So I, I applaud these teams rather than going to get these uh, weak sisters, you know, the sisters of the poor up north to come down here that you can that you can beat up on. So I'm I'm all for it. Uh, there is other news, you know, breaking today, Luke. Uh, Stephen Hutterson out of uh, Petal, Mississippi, the graduate now running back out of. Uh, Tulane, who had such a great year and really pummeled uh, the Golden Eagles this past year in that Tulane backfield, has announced he is entering the transfer portal. So uh, stay tuned. Same bat time, same bat channel. Will we be getting some news from Stephen Hutterson about a potential move to Southern Miss? We don't have any word on that. We're just kind of throwing that out there. Wouldn't that be uh, interesting? Uh, Stephen Hutterson again from Petal at Tulane, has entered the transfer portal. The Lady Eagle volleyball team is hosting the Conference USA postseason volleyball tournament. So we don't know what it's going to look like as far as fans go because of COVID, but the Lady Eagles are hosting the postseason volleyball tournament. That's great news. And the Philadelphia Eagles have just announced that they have their man as far as who their next coach is going to be. Coach Sirianni, the uh, Offensive coordinator of the Baltimore Colts, 39 years old, Nick Sirianni, is going to be introduced as the new head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. So we always like you, like keeping you up to date with down to earth uh, sports information. So how about that, Luke? Lots of stuff going on. Lots of stuff. Back to Hutterson. Yeah. And of course, Golden Eagle fans remember him well. He came into the Rock this year, 11 rushes, 118 yards, and scored a touchdown uh, in that blowout victory, uh, Tulane over Southern Miss. Um, but you know, we've been nothing official yet. But you know, when a new coaching staff comes in, there are you know certain uh, roster, not casualties, we should say, but you know sometimes uh, stuff doesn't gel right or things happen. And uh, from what we're hearing, you know, we we were we talked yesterday about Tim Jones and, and Tate Watley probably not coming back. Heath Hinton will uh, give us uh, some some information and, and his perspective on that coming up in the third segment. Um, but another name I'm hearing that's probably not going to return uh, is Kevin Perkins, and he's a running back. And so you wonder um, if if that coincides maybe with with Hutterson. And he he was a great back um, at Tulane, and he's a guy graduate tons of experience and 
You know, you there is there's no question about it. Frank Gore Jr. is is the guy. I mean, right. There, there's right. from what he did this year, he's a top five freshman in all of college football. But man, you want to talk about a, a guy if if Hutterson could come in with that type of experience and knowing that offense and. Kelly, how, how invaluable is it sometimes when you have these guys? I mean, Frank Gore Jr. has a, a rock-solid voice in his life. He's Frank Gore Sr. But how important is it when you have such a dynamic young back to have you know older guys come around and, and also at the same time showing the ropes? Yeah, and, and you've come – and again, this is all speculation. Okay? And, and it's just for fun, for entertainment purposes only at this point, right? But yeah, you've got Hutterson who would be a, a graduate, you know, already graduated, still maybe helping mold not only a younger mind that is Frank Gore Jr., but a guy who has already been through Will Hall's offense and knows exactly what to expect because, you know, Hutterson would be there for at, at most a year and he would know that. So part of, you know, being a team player is helping the guys who are behind you or who are going to be coming up through the ranks develop their skills to the to the best of their ability and that you've got a little piece of their career in your hand and that that's the type of guy that you would you know that you would expect Hutterson to be if that were to materialize but again we're not we're not kind of winking at you you know or reading between the lines all we know is that Hutterson has entered the transfer portal we don't know that there's been any discussions it's it's Southern Miss we're just again just kind of fun hypothesizing of of what it might be but it certainly would be intriguing especially if indeed Perk is not coming back yeah, and, and you wonder, you know, even after spring training, if we're going to see some of the, the roster attrition, because this coming year, or this past year didn't count. Right. So there's always, man, I, you know, being a part of a college football program for five years, they were just guys that, you know, made their way out. Maybe they, they didn't like, uh, back in the day, you know, when I played, you had to really decide whether you want to transfer. You had to sit out, but, right. um, and you would you would lose a year of your eligibility if you didn't have a red shirt already. But yeah, I mean it, it's going to happen. There's going to be more guys, and, and hopefully it's it's uh, you know nobody that, that contributes heavily. But you you want this as Desmond Lindsay told us this week. You know what they're doing right now. I love what he said. He said what they're doing right now is they're recruiting the guys on campus, and that may sound like uh, you know oxymoron, but that's that's what they're doing. They're getting to know them, and uh, so, so that these relationships can develop. And, and Lindsey said it best: that that's what college football is. It's all about relationships. And, and Luke, can I go back just a second to baseball uh, real quick as we kind of skip around here? Because the biggest question we're getting is is what about attendance at Pete Taylor Park? We do know that some of the other conferences around the country are saying twenty five percent, and officially, Conference USA has not said anything. Uh, about attendance figures, but when you look at these schedules, sure. but I said when when you look at these schedules that other schools are unveiling, it looks like the Eagles are going to have a ton of home games. Yeah, Bob uh, actually sent me a text yesterday. It, it you know Ole Miss and Mississippi State are coming out with with twenty five percent, so I assume that it's going to be a twenty five percent number. Maybe Heath Hinton can provide a little more light for us uh, when we get back. Heath Hinton, the Big Gold Nation, coming up next on the Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Thursday on the Eagle Hour continues. Happy to have you along. Luke Johnson at the First Bank Studios. 
It's a Super Talk studio, but it's the First Bank Super Talk studio in downtown Laurel, Kelly Center, and Michael Mergens in Hattiesburg. Heath Hinton from Big Gold Nation joining us in just a second, but the third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by 4th Street Barn Grill, located on 4th Street right across from the University of Southern Mississippi. Great place to watch the AFC and NFC Championship games this coming weekend. Always uh, a lot going on. You may even meet Kelly Sander, who is the, uh, I guess, uh, Kelly, the, the Presidente is what you said uh, earlier this week. So we appreciate the sponsorship of Slade White and the great guys over at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Heath Hinton from Big Gold Nation joins us now. And Heath, we talked to Andy Everett uh, from UTSA earlier. And Andy really described UTSA as it was like almost describing Southern Miss playing really good defensively, having a hard time kind of wondering which offense uh, will show up. I know you've been looking at this two game matchup tomorrow night at 6 o'clock, Saturday at 3 p.m. What, what's kind of your pregame notes going into this uh, road series for the Golden Eagles? UTSA is a team, guys, that has two really good players, uh, Jackson and Wallace. Uh, They're kind of a two-man team, and then they have some pieces on the outside, but they really drive the show. If you can kind of hold those guys down, you, you have a really good chance of beating UTSA. They're a team that likes to shoot a lot of threes. Um, kind of think of a team like, I don't know, uh, Marshall. They're kind of like a Marshall. They really love to shoot the three, dribble, drive, penetrate, uh, kick it out for the threes, threes on uh, fast breaks. And, look, this is a chance for Southern Miss. Southern Miss has a golden opportunity to go in here and, uh, you know, do some good in Conference USA, maybe get a sweep. Uh, for sure, they should be expected to split. But, look, Southern Miss go in here as well as they're playing and get a sweep. You you feel like Heath though that UTSA is better than the one in five record. They've they've played North Texas, they played Rice, they played Louisiana Tech, and you look at that that schedule swept by Rice, a split with North Texas, then got swept by uh, Louisiana Tech. And when you look at the 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 records in this series, do not favor the Golden Eagles. The home team always wins and. I mean, uh, you, you want to sweep? Uh, if you split, do you feel okay about yourself staying at 500 in the conference? I still think you do because the conference, the winner of the conference is not going to be but two or three games above 500 anyway, each division, because of the way the back-to-back games. I think if you get a split, you're feeling good. If you get a sweep, you put yourself in great position at this point to uh, have a pretty good seat in the tournament. I mean, this I, is a game where if you're Southern Miss, that if you want to, if you want to make some some way in conference USA, you need to split, but you really want to sweep here. I I think regardless of what happens here, Heath, I'm I'm already ecstatic as the as the way the team has played, and maybe it becomes maybe it's because there were so little expectations from this team. Am I missing something, or was everybody else missing something? On this Southern Miss team. Now I know they haven't played, you know, the the teams that were that that had the lofty expectations. They haven't played them yet, but so far, to me, so very very good. Absolutely. Look, there was no expectations. I mean, I think they were picked 14th out of the conference this year, uh, maybe 12th, 14th, something yeah. like that. I mean, it wasn't. There wasn't a lot of expectations on this team, but if you look at what the recruiting class come in. You could see, man, this team is a lot more talented than it was, and the upgrading talent, just adding two of the few pieces that were here, 
Um, it was great. Stevenson is starting to play very well. Uh, we'd like to see Drain get going a little better uh, from shooting, but his last game he did pretty well. Um, you look at Pinckney, he's coming along, but then you got the freshman, Jerron Pierre, who has, let's just talk about it, outstanding as a freshman. Still trying to learn to play those back-to-back games, but you know what I was happy about was that he was able to finish that second game last week to complete the sweep, and he finished, uh, shot his free throws in the game, played great defense. When a freshman starts doing that, when he doesn't have a good game, but he's able to make a difference in the win after he doesn't have a good game, that's a sign of somebody that's special. Now, when you do what what Heath Hinton does, you get carte blanche in the business. Now, for you young people out there, carte blanche was the first credit card ever issued back in the 60s. And the only way you got carte blanche is if you were somebody important. Okay, so Heath gets carte blanche with all these players and he had a chance to sit down with Jerron Pierre. There's exclusive information that you can get on Heath's website. So we don't want you to give away too much info, Heath, so that people will subscribe to your website and get the uh, get the full skinny on the deal. But an overview of your conversation with Jerron Pierre. Tell you what, guys, what I was so impressed with and me and Trevor Ritchie were. And if you remember the website, you can go watch the whole interview for free, was how mature he was. Uh, Trevor, I'll tell you this, Trevor kind of asked him a question about, um, do you think you're the best player on the team? And his answer was, I want to be the best player, the best me that I can be. And I'm only the best me if I can be if everybody else on the team isn't getting better, isn't playing well. That's a mature answer you don't see from an 18-year-old. That's a pro-style answer. That's how a pro answers a question. And it was talking to him, laughing with him, uh, just finding out some interesting things about him, you know. Um, he talked about what he does for pregame, what's in his uh, iPod before game. Just a lot of fun. Very sharp young man, and you can tell the kid gets it. Sometimes you can just meet a young man, and they're an athlete, and they get it. He gets it. He understands and uh, he's going to be exciting here at Southern Miss for years to come. You know, if, if they happen to go into San Antonio this weekend and even split, because as Luke mentioned, the home teams, I mean, it's a matter of fact that the home teams have won every single game in this series uh, since, since the two teams have been playing. So even if they go in and get a split, that's even going to further the Golden Eagles conference confidence rather a little bit more so that when they have to face these tougher teams later on again a team that was projected to finish nearly dead last in the conference if the eagles finish somewhere in the middle imagine what type of confidence that's going to build going into next season when a we probably have covid behind us by the grace of god and b all of these guys will be back pretty much for southern miss and they all and they will all have a, their they get their year of eligibility back right that's that's C. So I mean, you know? that's that's even bigger at this point. You're getting them again, and you don't have to go out and recruit. You got the same guys coming back. So yeah. you're right. Going in there and, and and picking up a split, just the confidence of this team is starting to grow, and you can really see it. And really, Luke, and I want to get Luke in here on this this too, Heath. Really, you guys, when we sit here, and one of the things that people like about this show is that we're not paid by the university. We're not the public relations department for Southern Miss. Sometimes we get criticized that we're too tough on the university, but on the other side of the coin, we we give them thumbs up when we think they deserve a thumbs up. It's been a long time, in my opinion, 
that the overall health of the athletic department is looking as good as it is now in every sport with the resurgence of confidence and enthusiasm with the Hall administration in football, where the, bas- the basketball team is certainly on an upward trajectory. Baseball has been healthy for a long time now. Would you guys agree that things really look pretty doggone good overall at Southern Miss? Absolutely. I think that, you know, Jeremy, Jeremy McLean has done an incredible job. And a lot of people thought he would when he came in. He has done an incredible job. There's excitement. There's excitement within the programs. Um, people are excited about the direction of all the programs. I just think Jeremy, and, and considering what he's had to deal with with COVID, with coming in here with the, with the monetary restrictions financially, I mean, the guy should get an A plus on his uh, final exam right now at the end of the year. He's done an incredible job. Yeah, he really has, and you you see it at, at every level. And I'm just so thankful for his leadership. Heath, about a minute left. Just want to get your input this year. Uh, reports and nothing official yet, but reports look like Tim Jones will declare for the NFL draft. Looks like Tate Watley uh, may not return uh, to the Golden Eagle football team. There's obviously roster attrition here and there, but um, Golden Eagles got to use one of these uh, leftover scholarships to bring in another quarterback. Uh, I, I know. Looks like Bryce Foxworth is going to come back. Kind of your overall take of some of the, the roster uh, shifting around this week. Well, I know I, I spoke to uh, Coach Hall about how many scholarships left. He said one, but it probably looks like two. So he's only got two scholarships to use. So you're looking at an area where you need a guy. They need an offensive tackle. I, I think one of those areas use offensive tackle. And, look, I know uh, Tate left, but I still think you're okay at quarterback. I don't think you need to go that direction. I think probably you use the other on a front seven on defense, a tackle, a defensive end, maybe not a linebacker as much. But I think you you try to bolster up that defensive front. He addressed cornerback. He addressed DBs. Um, maybe you go get maybe you go get see if you can get a, a quarterback that you can pick up late. But maybe you can gray shirt him. But I just. I think you're okay at quarterback at this point with Keys coming in, with Webb, with, uh, you know, you know uh, got turned last year. My mind's going blank. Sorry. I'm at the, low. I'm at the prosthesis place. Uh, low. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think you're okay at quarterback. I think you still got to uh, get a left tackle and maybe a, a defensive lineman, defensive yeah. end. Good deal. Heath, we appreciate your time. Uh, we know you're – Actively rehabbing every day, man, and uh, thanks for taking some time to uh, to come on the Eagle Hour with us. Have a great weekend. You too, my friend. Y'all have a good one, buddy. Thank you a lot. Heath, Heath Hinton from Big Gold Nation, southernmiss.rivals.com. If you want to subscribe, Eagle Hour closes it out right after this. The Eagle Hour, Southern Miss to the top. Final segment on a rainy Thursday brought to you by Toyota of Hattiesburg. Located on Highway 98 West in Hattiesburg and always online, toyotahattiesburg.com. Kelly Center, Michael Mergens in the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg. Luke Johnson in the brick-paved streets of downtown Laurel. Appreciate our uh, studio sponsor, First Bank. Heard from Andrew out there yesterday on Highway 98. Two locations in Hattiesburg. They've been around since 1895. And uh, if you go out on Highway 
98 West. Uh, that's the home of the Perfect Ten, First Bank. They've been around a long time, and they're here for you, and we greatly appreciate their studio sponsorship of the Eagle Hour. Uh, Kelly, we reported earlier um, this week, Lad Rhodes uh, moving on, and he was the volunteer baseball assistant for uh, for Southern Miss. Uh, Southern Miss getting a brand-new uh, volunteer assistant coming in, and you know B.A. Volmuth held that position down for so long. Lad took over for B.A., and now Nick Amaretti coming from Hines uh, Community College coming in. But Lad Rhodes, uh, good for him, headed to – Charleston Southern to be an assistant baseball coach, and you know, I don't, know, I can't remember if I said this to you or if I just said this to Bob this week. It's a blooming shame with all the buyouts in the world that we in college football that we can't get the third paid assistant for uh, for college baseball. I agree, I agree, but but all you can do is just keep trying, you know, and and you hope that other programs across the country, uh, you hope that that baseball will become more valid and more viable. Uh, financially in particular, because that's that's what drives everything, you know, and, and with some of these schools being bow-legged with money, you'd think that, uh, that they could certainly afford to uh, add an extra assistant, but it's probably not them, even though they voted against it, it's probably some of these smaller conferences who have trouble as it is, you know, paying their bills. As the rich get richer, that can only mean the poor get poorer. And uh, so a lot of schools are really struggling to, to you know, pay their budgets. So even one extra coach you know, would make a difference. Um, so you just keep trying, hopefully restructure things and uh, that it'll happen somewhere down the road. So congrats to Lad Rhodes. He's a Mississippi guy and graduated from Gulfport High School, played at Jones College, coached at Jones College, and then uh, was at Southern Miss under Scott Berry. We wish him all the best, and we welcome Nick Amoretti, and sure we will have him on uh, in, in a few weeks. But getting ready for college baseball season, and, and uh, Kelly, what would the schedule have been like uh, if you included Florida State at the same token? What is the schedule like? I mean, it's, some, it's pretty wild. Um, when you look at the, the the quality teams that you have on, and you know Southern Miss, uh, I think 29th preseason. Uh, baseball America is supposed to release their poll pretty quick, but I think that was collegiate baseball. Uh, Ole Miss, Mississippi State in the top ten. Um, I, I just I, I really feel like uh, this year could be one of those years. Uh, you know, like the 2017 team with with the 50 wins. I'm not saying we'll have 50 wins, but you got to feel like with the depth on this baseball team, uh, especially from from the pitching standpoint, that the Golden Eagles can win a ton of baseball games this year. And you you look at the guys who will be counted as freshmen and really, you know, academically they're sophomores, but guys like Dustin Diggerson who came in and started as a true freshman invaluable um, guys that are ahead of the curve um, baseball-wise than what their uh, you know, class uh, rank says you know, as, as a freshman or a sophomore. I'm actually a little bit surprised, even though those polls haven't come out. If, if, if the Eagles are 29th, I, I'm surprised. I, I, just, I think they're better than that. I mean, I, I, lots of times it's not so much what, what you have, it's what does everybody else have. Right. I mean, I've seen mediocre teams win championships only because everybody else was weak. And I've seen great teams not win because everybody else was that much greater. Right. So I, you can't tell me that there are 28 teams. And if if the Eagles come out 29th, you can't tell me that there are 28 better teams in the country, even on paper, than what Southern Miss has. It's a good problem to have, but I'm just saying, I, I find that very hard to believe. 
And I tend to be, you know, a little bit critical at times on, on those sorts of things. But, man, I don't know that a team has ever been this, um, this talented top to bottom. You know, I just, I just don't think it has been. Of course, you are looking also at a, at a pretty rugged schedule. You know, you don't have the, uh, the Oakland Michigans. You know, coming down here, or some of the, or some of these schools, you know that, uh, that didn't Kent State or who was it that came down here and got beat like twenty eight to one and a couple of years ago yeah. was it Murray State or, or somebody like that? Uh, so you don't have those teams coming in here, so that's that's a difference. But I, man, twenty nine really? I find that hard to believe. Collegiate baseball uh, D one just has you just has their poll through the top twenty five waiting on Baseball America to release theirs. SEC has like nine teams in the top twenty of or twenty five. You know, just you might as well. What, what do we say? You, just, you know, ten of the uh, the sixteen regionals just go ahead and, and give it to the SEC. But you know, it, it's like it every year. Eagles go out there and take care of business. Strike them out, uh, get on base, knock them over the wall, and uh, we'll we'll jump up pretty good. But one thing's for sure, um, it's going to be exciting. And man, it's only just a, a few weeks away. And it's usually isn't appreciate. It, isn't it usually right around Valentine's Day, kind of that they get started? You know, give or take a couple of yeah. days. So right yep. mid February, yeah. So hopefully always, we'll be getting uh, that schedule out. Lauren quick. has agreed. Lauren has agreed because it's my birthday, March the second. Um, that, that's going to be my birthday present. We're going to go to Trustmark, watch the Eagles play the Bulldogs. And she's agreed to sit in the left field lounge, or the, the roost. Um, the left field lounge is uh, not in Hattiesburg. The roost is in Hattiesburg, and I apologize for saying that. The roost, she's agreed to be around Jody Lott, and that that's saying a lot. So, hey, and real quick, uh, Lauren, Luke, yeah, before doing we, her job. Before we sign off today, two special shout-out to Ron Jay of Hattiesburg. Big fan of this show. Awesome. Appreciate you listening. As always, Southern Miss to to the the top. top. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.